Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Hope you guys are doing well. We're going to have a probably a shorter episode today. I don't have too much to discuss, but there, there have been some things that have happened and a couple of things I wanted to talk about, actually, so kind of excited for that. Um, I think you probably clicked on this episode because I want to discuss this whole timepiece gentleman um, fiasco that's gone on. Um, I'm not trying to get people to click on this. I just have had so many people reaching out to me about this specific topic, um, and I kind of want to just put my message out there for, you know, this is my message. I can point people in the direction of this. It really is a fiasco for um, the dealers, watch dealers, but also just the watch community as a whole. It's If you thought 2023 was bad for watches, um, you know, this or the last, you know, probably 16 months at this point, um, if you thought it's been bad, I think it's this is another just terrible thing to happen um, in the community. And so I will be addressing that. Um, but I'll discuss some other things, of course, because um, I, I literally don't want to spend the whole time talking about this. But I will talk about this first. So as I normally do, I normally link... Um, I normally put links in the show notes to all of the things that we discuss in this podcast, but I really don't feel like putting a... A link to this again i i want to just some sort of send the message from from my perspective on this and not really link to any other stories where um more can be made of this um so if you don't know um Tybee's gentleman is basically a british watch dealer and a huge influence on on the youtube side of of um of the watch community um anthony ferrera is uh is the the individual who sort of runs timepiece gentleman and he's had a you know a fairly um large amount of um success and he's a pretty respected and trusted um for for his by his followers and and people who trust him to to help him get watches um he he's worked in in the watch industry for some time now and um as i mentioned is really active on social medias i think um, as far as if you think about sort of the iconic YouTube channels, his one definitely comes up as, as one of them. Um, I'm speaking maybe from the longevity of, uh, of the, of, of watch, uh, watches and watch collecting. He was even, um, part of the 2019 top 100 watch influencers in the world. Um, he was part of that by uh, watch pro magazine. Um, and so you can imagine, you know, huge influence, hugely important in, in the dealer community. He's probably worked with many dealers um, that you all know of. Um, so very, very well respected. But it came out um, that he sent a sort of mass email to his clients um, or some of his big clients uh, admitting that he had um, essentially lost some of the inventory that they had, um, entrusted him with. Now, something that's very common in the, in the, um, in the watch industry is basically to do consignments. So consignments, if you don't know, is basically where a dealer will take a watch on consignment, look for a buyer, sell the watch, and then take a fee, um, from the, from the final sale price as sort of the fee that they, that they get for, for selling the watch. So essentially what you're doing is trusting the dealer with your watch, trusting that they'll be able to uh, sell the watch um, and then, you know, pay them the fee off of the final sale price. Dealers do this all the time. It's very, very common. A lot of the times you actually see 
multiple dealers go, do do work on these types of um, deals. So it's a very common practice in the watch industry, and it's not something that's that's uh, unknown. Um, but right there and then, you are entrusting a dealer with um, your watch. You are trusting that they will act in good faith. You'll trust that they'll get you the best price they possibly can. And so there's a, there's already a lot of trust if you're saying, I want you to con I want to consign my watch with you, which is really interesting because if you think about it, um, you know, Typhus Gentleman had created a lot of trust in the community, and so why would someone suspect that something would go wrong through the consignment process with him? Um, but basically, what happened in this mass email is that he he admitted that um, essentially he lost his Richard Mille when he was out, and then he at the same time lost a bag of inventory that was approximately two million US dollars, um, the majority of which were consigned pieces. Now, um, later there was a alleged recording of him speaking on the phone um, where he actually said that, you know, maybe he didn't lose the bag. I, th there are so many great grayers of this and, I, and it's not really the point of why I wanna talk about it. But there was a recording that basically said that he, um, it was something like closer to five million US dollars. And of course, and it wasn't because he lost the bag. I think he was essentially, you know, using the funds of the sales um, in the way that he, he saw fit, which um, many believe to be a Ponzi scheme. Um, I'm not gonna, you know, this is all alleged. I'm not sort of talking about this at all from a, um, I'm not talking this from, from a facts. I've never spoken to Timepiece Gentleman. I've never actually worked directly with Timepiece Gentleman. So I, I really don't have any, um, any, any uh, helpful information um, from, a, from a factual perspective. This is all just hearsay. But what I really wanted to talk about was what this does to the watch community. So, I mean, it's hard not to be frustrated with the fact that this really damages the watch community. So I think what, what, what has happened is we've had so much hype about watches and so many more people are getting into watches. And that's really exciting for the community because it means we can share this passion with so many more people. Then there was somewhat of a bubble that crashed. Um, the prices of, of models that many people were really, really interested started sinking. And I think that frustrated a lot of people. And then that led to more collectors sort of dumping, or I should say newer collectors dumping their, their watches because they were losing so much money on them. And then we've, we've kind of gotten to a place where prices are still somewhat dropping, but, but kind of in some, some sort of stable place. And then we get this huge fiasco with $5 million in inventory missing, a huge figure in the watch industry basically admitting that he was running his business in a way that wasn't, wasn't ethical. And I think that's just going to turn off more and more people who have got into this hobby. So th there's two buckets, right? There's collectors and dealers. Collectors who have been in the watch industry or been a watch collector for a short time, I think are going to run scared. And that's really, really upsetting because there's, this isn't, it's not what this community is supposed to be about. There, it, this community isn't supposed to be about all these dodgy people who, who you have to work with. That's not the type of environment that we should be creating. And it's really sad because you're gonna turn off newer collectors because of all this, all this fiasco. Dealers are also going to be affected by this, not just the people who've worked directly with timepiece gentlemen, 
but now every single time when someone someone deals with the with a dealer the the individual dealing with the dealer the the customer the client is going to be skeptical and they're going to be worried that that this person is not running an ethical business because this huge figure who is who was so well renowned and so well respected in the industry uh, basically turned bad and it's not great it really is not great um for collect for for dealers either so you've got lo- lower trust in dealers you've got lower m- less people who are probably going to be feel safe in in, a, in the watch collecting community and that just really is unfortunate now i think i can speak to maybe what needs to happen going forward the most important thing is to to be enjoying this hobby and to be sharing it with with um, collectors who enjoy it as much as you do if that means that you have to do twice as much work to gain their trust, to provide them with what they need to feel comfortable to buy watches from you or to, to collect watches with you and feel comfortable talking to you about watches, then so be it. And in my opinion, this actually might be a good thing. That means that people are going to be much more thorough in, in their approaches when, when, when buying watches or much more thorough in, in understanding who they're, who, they're, who they're buying from. I'll go back to the John, Gold, John Goldberg, Al Montanari, his, his golden rule. One of his golden rules was buy the seller. Um, it's buy what you love and buy the seller. And if that means you're going to have to do additional research to, to understand who you're dealing with, that's great. I think that allows you to create a much more trusting and long-lasting relationship with the person who you're going to buy watches from. And that's exciting. I think that is a positive. And I think that that means that you as a, a you know dealers have to be so much more um, so much more um forthcoming with information and so much more more um they have to really earn the trust of their their customers and i think that's a really great thing um this is going to turn off collectors and i'm sure that the watch community is 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 already being hurt by it um but um you can learn from this um you know make sure you trust your dealers and you trust the processes that you've put in place um i've never worked with timepiece gentlemen um, probably will never work with timepiece gentlemen, uh, based on this, but, but, um, but, uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of my, my two cents on this whole fiasco. Um, I'd say move forward with, with positivity. I'd say move forward in watch collecting in a way where you can really build trust with those who you're doing, who you're dealing with, um, and who you're collecting with, um, because, that's 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 the point of it right you, you have to trust the people that you're that you're um that you're talking with and and and, and discussing some of these ideas about and, and buying watches from it's 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 super important um it's gonna hurt uh, and hopefully hopefully us as a community can come together and really build something that will that will not be be t- you know tainted by such a such a terrible terrible thing to happen in the watch community Anyway, I didn't. Uh, there's not going to be a, sh- a link in the show notes. I, I don't want to continue this discussion too much longer. But I hope this helps sort of give you my two cents on this. And if you haven't heard about it, hopefully it helps you sort of sort of inform you on what's what's going on. Anyway, we'll move forward to the things that I will link up. I've got two more topics to go here. So what was really cool is I was on on Hodinkee and I was reading this article about the 37 millimeter Royal Oak with a turquoise dial. This is of course a modern piece. Um, and my, my initial reaction was, oh, why are we, why are we doing the Tiffany blue still? Um, but, uh, what was cool is, um, this was actually, this is actually a stone dial. So what you're getting is a unique, 
stone dial um, that is um, because it's stone you're not going to get two identical dials to to it so there's going to be different lights that are sort of played with um, on these specific um, on these specific dials um, so that's I think that's that's kind of unique that that stone because you're using different stones for each of the watches you won't get two things that are completely identical which I think is nice but it got me thinking about places where you can actually find stone dials and so I wanted to make sure that you as a listener had you know an opportunity to see other other watches that are are um are kind of of this trend recently i've noticed that you know obviously this year i feel like a big trend is smaller watches interesting dials interesting case designs doesn't have to be the typical sort of you know um <laughs> steel sports watches that have been popular so far i think people are trying to get a little bit more creative with the pieces that they're that they're um that they're interested in and i think that's great and if you don't know uh, of places where you can get these, I'm hoping hoping you can maybe or you know get these if you're looking for watches, but also um, consume information about about brand, uh, companies who who really focus on on these um, on these types of watches. And so I wanted to point you in the direction of Amsterdam Vintage Watches. There'll be a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. But Amsterdam Vintage Watch Houses is obviously an Amsterdam-based watch company. Um, who obviously you know specialize in specific watches it seems like rolex is a very big part of sort of their inventory um but they they have a whole host of of different uh pieces um king of vintage is the what is the um instagram i, I highly recommend you check them out because there's some really cool videos on there but what's really cool is um the individual who runs um Amsterdam vintage watches actually um studied as a gemologist and um so he actually has a, a um, bit of respect and a bit of a, uh, knowledge about different types of um, stones. And so his inventory is so, so cool. So I'll, I'll leave a link in, in the show notes to the shop so you can check this out. But, but for example, I see a Rolex Day Date with a Mother of Pearl dial, which is so unique compared to a, you know, a, a fairly simple, um, a simple one. Um, there's also a, he also has a reference 1600 date just with a red Jasper, uh, nicknamed sort of, um, the, the, the red Jasper because it has a Jasper red, um, gemstone, uh, dial, which again is so, so unique. And, and, and furthermore is unique in the sense that you're not going to see a lot of these Jasper dial watches, but also in the fact that, you know, that specific stone is unique to that watch. Um, he's got a couple of Onyx style um, Rolexes. Um, he's got, uh, I see a ferrite dial, which has a really cool sort of black and gray motif to it on a, this is on a um, day date. And so um, I, I highly recommend you check out the store, even if it is to just um, browse and look at the different types of watches. I see a, a day date with a wooden dial with some interesting, um, obviously gem settings, which is, um, quite quite cool but but those types of unique dials is what i'm talking about so so um yeah check out the the amsterdam vintage watches store i highly recommend you check out their instagram as well really great content there so um i'm sure you can get it get from get from the amsterdam vintage watches um site over to the um their instagram but check them out because i think even if you aren't buying i think it's cool to consume it so you know you know you've seen a a um Farad dial uh, day date. Um, it's it's definitely cool. 
All right, so my last thing that I wanted to chat about was an article written by Hodinkee. Um, James Stacey put out the staff's pick, the 25K Collection Reset Challenge, which is basically create a watch collection, a hypothetical watch collection for a budget of 25000 There's some, some cool diversity um, in, in this collection. Um, I have to admit, I, I love Tony Trena's um, combo here. He was going to go for uh, a... Uh, GMT Master um, with the with the um, Pepsi bezel, uh, probably a sixteen seven fifty, um, and then a uh, really really beautiful uh, blanc pas. Uh, I believe it's a, a perpetual calendar. Which um, I mean, the combination is is elegant. You've got your sports watch with that vintage vibe to it, and you've got a really nice blanc pas uh, perpetual calendar, which is a little bit on the dressier side. I'll also give a shout out, obviously, to Ben. Ben's collection, Ben's decision was great. Uh, Speedmaster, Speedy Pro with a Hesslite bezel, and a really beautiful Alana and Zuna um, from like the 90s, um, which is um, uh, the Saxonia, which is um, a pretty nice, nice combination. And so check out some of the other people who, who've come up. Danny Milton's got his. There's some other people who've got some picks, which I think are really great. Um, but it got me thinking, you know, what would I do with 25,000? Um, I'm not sure. I think I lean towards something like that Pepsi GMT that Tony mentioned. You could also maybe look at like some sort of like 90s sub on that. But then I think I would want to put a decent amount of that 25,000 into like some really cool vintage pieces. So like something like a like a uh, like a like a a very simple Calatrava from like the sixties from Patek Philippe, or like a really beautiful like ultra thin um, from Audemars Piguet, something like that. Because you can get those pieces for for a fairly decent budget. You know you don't have to be spending you know the world for for something like that. But then I'd also want some you know some small things like. For example, we, we have this Longines um, Barlow Reference 700 with this really unique case design. I, and I think you can get something like that for very inexpensive, in the grand scheme of things, an inexpensive amount, um, which makes that kind of exciting. So a lot of these collections on this article are sort of two watch collections, but I think you could stretch it and, and really build something out um, much, uh, much uh, you know, you could have a couple more watches in there just to experience um, something else. I mean, you know, even something that's crossed my mind recently has been like pocket watches and whether you would put maybe some sort of like vintage pocket watch in here. There's so much you can do with this. And, and I think that's what I, what I uh, wanted to mention. So check out the article, but I'd love to hear what your collection would be for 25,000. So hit us up on Instagram or on our website. Um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let me know what you think about all these uh, topics. I'd love to, to, uh, to chat with you about them. So uh, as always, head over to our website. You can contact us there or head over to our Instagram. Uh, probably the, the easiest ways to get in touch with us. Um, I put my question of the day. So you know what my question of the day is. What's your 25K collection? Um, if, you, if you could, um, would love to hear your thoughts on that. If you are new to Life, Life in the Risk podcast, be sure to rate this podcast and follow us. Share this with a friend who might be interested in a watch podcast. We'd love to have you guys as listeners. Um, if you are new to Life on the Wrist, head over to lifeontherist.com. We publish an article about a um, range of topics, but um, you know, vintage is really where um, I enjoy the most. So I spend a lot of time on that sort of, um, that sort of uh, genre. 
If you wouldn't mind liking this podcast, it really does help me out. And with that said, guys, as always, have a great week. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and we will catch you in the next one.